Our reading tonight is from the NIV for easy understanding. <laughs> Praise God. Matthew chapter 21 and we're reading from verse 1 to verse 11. Matthew chapter 21. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there, with her colt by her. Untie them, and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. In the Lord bless his word. Have you ever been in a situation where you've had two options and you've got to choose? When the boys were young in our house, I had a, a, a book. Well, I had a, quite a lot of books, actually. But the favourite book was called You Choose. And it was all pictures, pretty much. And you used to read a little bit. And then they used to have to choose what sort of uh, house they would like. You know, and there was things like igloos and teepees and all sorts of stuff. Um, or what sort of transport would be a train or an aeroplane or um, what they wanted to be. Could be an astronaut. Um, all that sort of thing. Um, so choosing, okay, that's part of, of what we're thinking about tonight. But really what I think, want to think about is, um, is three um, items, two processions, two kings, two choices. Have you, uh, as I say, have you ever been in a situation where you've had options and didn't know which one to choose? You've perhaps been out for a bite to eat and you've got your old favourite on the menu and you think, oh, but then you see something that you've actually wanted to try for a while. Do you um, have your old faithful or do you try to something new? That's always a bit of a tricky one, isn't it? Or if you're perhaps about to go on holiday um, or plan to go on holiday and um, again, do you go to the place where you know and love um, or do you take a bit of a risk and try somewhere different? Um, but of course, that's a bit more um, tricky because you might get it wrong and it might cost you a bit of money and you might regret it. So that's difficult, isn't it? 
and perhaps the most tricky choice of all is a choice when you get an invitation from people. Oh dear me. I think the worst option uh, you have to choose from is if you've got two wedding invitations or something on a day or a two birthday invitations or something like that. Um, of course, unless I'm being a little mischievous and you don't get on with one of the parties concerned, but we'll, uh, we'll not go there. Um, it's, it can be difficult. And um, I remember a few, well, it's quite a few years ago now, um, Tracy and myself were, uh, well, it wasn't, if I can put it this way, we weren't given a choice. There was a choice to make and there was two funerals of two friends on the same day. And that's really difficult because you can't be in the same place at the same time. Um, and that's the very point, isn't it? Because we can't be in two places at once and um, we've got to make our mind up. That's the point, we've got to make our mind up. Now the quick thinking among you may have thought Pastor Hayden touched on this on Thursday. Psalm 119 and give me a helping hand. So that's a thought, isn't it? Give me a helping hand. Pray to the Lord about that. And it's quite right too. We can and should come to God for guidance wherever possible. I'm sure you'll agree. But choices in incorporating people and who to be next to, who to be with, and even more so, who to admire or who to have as an example. And I guess that sort of resonates with what we were thinking about last Sunday morning too, about Jesus being our example. Well, today is Palm Sunday. And she had the hint this morning, Lynn still hasn't brought the palm leaves tonight. Sheesh, it's terrible when you get picked on twice in one day, isn't it, Lynn? As I say, two processions, two kings, two choices. We've read from Matthew 21, and the picture there is of a, of a city which is vibrant. You can, you can almost close your eyes, well you can close your eyes, please don't close your eyes and go to sleep now. You can close your eyes and start to imagine it, can't you? The picture is of Jesus riding into Jerusalem on the colt of a donkey. There might be excited children buzzing around, laughing and giggling and running and trying to get a vantage point. They might have been climbing up trees or whatever just to see. And um, there'll be cheers rising up as Jesus and his disciples were sort of slowly going through the streets and from street to street and there'd be people straining and as the cheers came from there they were sort of marking where Jesus was in his, on his route and as they grew louder the excitement would grow and of course there would be the traders saying this is holding up my delivery of whatever when's that going to get shifted that sort of thing and the crowds would be shouting Hosanna to the son of David Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And waving palm branches, laying down cloaks in the road, putting cloaks on the donkey. And as the crowds grew, so did the shouts of adulation. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This was something to get excited about. This better still, this was someone to get excited about. The Bible says in the reading that we had tonight, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth. Isn't it great to get stirred when we realise that Jesus is here? That's right, isn't it? If we're in the presence of Jesus, 
then shouldn't we be stirred? We should be, shouldn't we? Because the Son of God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Glory, is here. So, let's be stirred. Now, I've got a bit of an imagination, as you can tell, as you know. So that, there, we, there we were, in the streets of Jerusalem, getting excited. But you might not know that Jesus' procession into Jerusalem wasn't, possibly anyway, possibly not the only procession that day. While Jesus was coming in through the East Gate, there was another procession. And that was a, uh, what a Roman historians have said was Pilate coming in. The governor of Judea, Pontius Pilate, led a procession of Roman cavalry and centurions into the city of Jerusalem. So there were two processions that day. Can you believe it? All this in one city in one day. Imagine the spectacle of that entry in contrast to Jesus. From the western side of the city, the opposite side of which Jesus entered, as I say, Pontius Pilate leads the Roman soldiers on horseback. There they all are, resplendent, immaculate. The foot soldiers, and I'm guessing they're all clad in polished leather armour. The centurions with their, their helmets glistening in the sunlight. All immaculate as well. The drummers drumming out the beat as they were moving through the streets. I'm not sure how much excitement there might be about that procession though. Because that was no ordinary entry into Jerusalem either. Pilate was, a, as you know, a governor of the region. And um, it was standard practice for the governor to be there for religious festivals. And what was today the start of as far as the Jews were concerned? The feast of the Passover. Have you ever thought about that? The Passover. <coughs> because that was when the Jews were freed from the empire of Egypt. I wonder how the Romans felt about the Jews celebrating freedom from an oppressive regime when the Romans were an oppressive regime. Very striking. So on this occasion, Pilate had travelled with a contingent of Rome's army, Rome's finest, from Caesarea to Jerusalem. Basically, he was there to keep an eye on the people in Jerusalem, on the Jews. Make sure that they didn't suddenly decide, you know, the Passover, that was all about freedom. That was all about liberty. We don't want these Jewish people to have that freedom and liberty. So what a contrast in the two processions. One was joyful and one was to demonstrate power and might and under the thumb oppression. But let's get back to Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. If Pilate's procession was meant to be a show of that military might and power, Jesus' procession was meant to demonstrate the opposite. Very much so. The opposite. Both Matthew and Mark record Jesus' own words, and we read, or Norman read them tonight in the NIV. Praise God. 
and that Norman's been liberated. The NIV. He instructs his disciples to go into the city and find a donkey tied up. And they are asked to ask the owner that they may use the donkey and they are to say, the Lord needs him or them. Depend on whether it's Matthew or Mark. And verse 4 tells us that this took place to fulfil what was prophesied by Zechariah. It says, rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Well, I, I guess it looked like they were rejoicing. Hosanna, the son of David. Rejoice greatly, Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt on the fall of a donkey. Wow. I wonder how many folks that day thought about what the promise was in God's word that had been prophesied by Zechariah about the fact that their king was coming in this fashion. What a contrast in the two processions. But it was more than just about the transport. It was more than just how he arrived in the city. This king came humbly. Not with the drums and the military might. This king came humbly, not on a steed of war, but on a slow-moving donkey. And it says in, in the concordance part of my Bible, a symbol of a Davidic king who comes in humility and peace. Not a king like the king of this world, but King Jesus came in a unique way. In humility and peace. The two processions could not have been more different in their messages, could they? Not at all. Pilate leading Roman censurians, asserting power and might of the Roman Empire, and wanting to crush all those who oppose it. And isn't that much like the world today? Wanting to crush those who would oppose the norm in the world. The devil wants people to acquiesce and just accept the power that goes on in the world. The oppression that goes on in the world. Jesus comes to bring liberty and life and freedom. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus riding on a young donkey embodied the peace and tranquil tranquility that is only found in peace with God peace through his sacrifice and we frequently quote from Philippians don't we verse 5 it says this in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. It's a well-known passage of scripture. I think it might even be referred to last Sunday morning, if my memory serves me rightly. But the fact of the matter is that this Jesus was and is a king like no other. He humbled himself. 
and we thought about that, didn't we, just last Sunday, the teaser example. What a contrast in those two processions. So there, there they were, two processions. And of course, that makes the stark distinction between the two kings. Now, okay, Pilate wasn't a king, but he was a de facto representative of the emperor, Caesar, the king. Jesus' entry into Jerusalem may or may not have been planned to occur at the same time. Whether it was planned or not, the two processions provided such a great contrast. And we've already said, thought about that, haven't we? The, the power and the might and the authoritarianism of Rome. Much like the world today, the oppression and the liberty and the freedom and the humility and a way that nobody expected. Much like often nobody expects today. The contrast between the two kings and rulers and their kingdoms was on display. The ordinary folk, it seemed, in the passage that we read, sided with Jesus, didn't they? They shouted, they praised, they lifted their voices. I wonder if they sang a bit as well. Hosanna, Hosanna to the king of kings. They thought Jesus, perhaps many of them thought that Jesus would be the one to take away this oppression, to get rid of the Romans. They thought of it in natural terms, and that's a danger for anyone, even us as Christians. We need to think, we can't put aside our common sense, but let's make sure that we come before the Lord and think with our spiritual eyes, with our spiritual understanding. Let him move through our beings when we have those choices to make. Because they missed the mark. They missed the mark completely. Jesus wasn't there to oust the Romans. Jesus was there to oust a much bigger and more oppressive enemy. The enemy of our souls. And as I say, Jesus was misunderstood and stood, still is misunderstood. Because the God of this world has blinded people's eyes. And like the crowd shouted then, many people still shout today, we will not have this man to rule over us. And that's true, isn't it? That so many people will not have anything to do with God or Jesus. They don't even recognise that he exists. To their folly, to their downfall, to their ultimate destruction. What a marked contrast in the two sovereigns. There was Pilate, and I've listed a few thoughts here. He was really only seeking his own glory. I bet he thought it was great that day. There he was in all his pomp and ceremony, purveying his self-serving, self-promoting, and self-serving persona. It was all about him and the military might that was behind him. <coughs> Whereas... King Jesus, by, I wonder what Pilate would have really felt like if he knew who Jesus really was. King Jesus, the Lord of creation, came to give himself freely. And what a wonderful word it was this morning, wasn't it? When we thought about Jesus drinking from that cup, knowing what he was going to do, knowing the anguish that he was going to suffer. But he did it freely. Not my will, but yours, he said. 
Jesus gave himself completely to his Father's will. The, the line of the carol, it's a bit out of season, isn't it, really? Now the Easter, line of the carol. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give us second birth. New life in him. New life, thank the Lord. Born that man, mankind, no more may die. Praise him. He died so that we don't have to. There was no self-preservation on his mind. It was all about the whosoever will may come. It was all about that none should perish, but have everlasting life. Thank you, Lord. You don't want anybody to die. And the word says that this sovereign's action, this King Jesus, it was all about the joy that was set before him, the joy of doing his Father's will, the joy of seeing salvation transforming lives like you and I. Isn't that wonderful? Psalm 118, uh, verses 26 to 29. Um, that might be a little bit long, but a couple of verses from that psalm anyway says this. and reminds us about the contrast of these kings. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than trust in humans. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. So it's better to look to the Lord than say ordinary people. But then it, it's almost as though God's word underlines it, highlights it, and makes the text bigger. It's better to trust, take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. The people who supposedly have the power and the authority and the dominion. Forget about them. Forget about the influences of the world. Look to Jesus. Look to the Lord. Remember, um, not quite a week later from this passage, we read in John 18, and Jesus and Pilate are conversing. And Jesus answers Pilate and says, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is not of this realm. Pilate said, You are a king then. Jesus replied, You say that I am a king. For this reason I was born and have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. And how important it is today to listen to the truth. Because I think I quoted it fairly recently about the fact that truth has fallen in the streets. And it's nowhere to be found. It's stumbled. But Jesus is the living word. The word that became flesh. The prince of peace. The king over sin and death he conquered. And yet he was a humble servant born in a manger. Born to die on a cross. In one, uh, John chapter 1, it, it simply says this. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Before we even think about the cross, isn't that amazing? The king of glory became flesh. 
and dwelt with us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Truth. And you see, the Romans were trying to oppress the people, the God's people. And what does the world try to do today? Oppress the truth. Stop the truth. What is the truth? That Jesus came. That Jesus died. That Jesus rose again. That Jesus is alive today. That Jesus can change each one of us. So there was, the contrast was night and day, darkness and light. The sinner, Pilate, and the saviour, Jesus. There could not have been a greater divergence between these two men in the city of Jerusalem that day. And what about the two choices? Well, can you imagine it? I wonder how many people that day made the choice of which procession to see. Wow, how do you make that choice? Pass me a denarii and we'll flip it. I don't know. That's perhaps how people were thinking. But it wasn't just about the choice. It was who they were going to seek. That's the key. Who were they going to seek? Did they want to seek and search and look at the Roman governor? Did they want to seek and search and understand an experience and perhaps even have an encounter, a life-changing encounter with Jesus? Would they see Jesus as someone as a, as a, that would be a risk? Would they put their trust in him, seek and serve him? And that's the question we all need to ask. Who do we seek? Who do we serve? Who is our king? It's ironic that many people today want to be free. Everybody wants to be free, don't they? They want to free, be free to do what they like. You know, the Jews in Palestine want to be free from the Roman oppression. But people today will say, well, whilst they're free, they're still ignoring what a heavenly father, what Jesus has done. And therefore, by proclaiming themselves free, they're actually in bondage. They're not free at all. Not free at all. They're not aware of what our Saviour Jesus has done for them. Denying the truth. Remain, remaining under an oppressive system. And we know that these two kings, if I can put it that way, came face to face less than a week later. And amazingly, the same folks who shouted Hosanna we know hurled insults at them and can you believe it shouted to free a murderer and a robber and a thief perhaps we should just ask ourselves as we're more or less closing if we'd been in Jerusalem that day with all the excitement that's going on with all the pomp at one end with all the excitement at the other end which one would we have chosen to follow? Who would we seek after? Because the choice is the choice that we have to make every day. Even as believers, to choose the worldly influence 
are to seek the Lord with all our hearts and our minds and our soul and our strength. Do we as believers choose the way things are done or are we choosing the way God intends them to be? Not the way things are done, not a pattern. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. But seek to be doing the things as God intends them to be done. It's a challenge for each one of us. And the events of Easter change everything, don't they? In the events we see King Jesus demonstrates love and humility through a sacrifice like no other. Every Sunday morning we think about that sacrifice. And power, not the power of armies, not the power of Rome, not the power of horses or drums or arrows or whatever. None of that. Jesus' power, God's power was shown through his resurrection and conquering of sin and death and sickness and the devil. That was the power that Jesus showed. For us who believe, following King Jesus gives a certain hope in uncertain times. And a cause for joy and celebration in times of difficulty. And we can all have that peace from the Prince of Peace. So, a bit like Joshua, choose you this day whom you will serve. Isn't it? Two processions. Two kings, two choices. What kind of king do we have in our life? I'd like to close just by reading a poem by Roger Marshall called Hosanna. You are our king, they cry, spreading palm boughs at his feet. As, he carried, as he's carried in through the city gates on a borrowed donkey's back. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This seed must die, he sighs, holding a grain of wheat against the sky and looking them with compassion in his eyes. But by its death your stony hearts can be turned to flesh and live. The dead will rise. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Get rid of him, they scream pounding his trembling form with stony words as he is led out through the city gate, bowed under the weight of a rough-hewn beam. We'll have no one but Caesar as our king. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. <laughs>